0: Warning, the episode you are about to hear contains content for mature audiences. If you are not okay with the discussion of rape or children being harmed, please, I advise you skipping this episode. Good evening, everyone. This is Crystal from the Spooky Barber Babes, and tonight I have a special episode for you about the Lonely Hearts killers, Raymond Fernandez and Martha Beck. And one of the best parts about tonight's episode is it will be completely ad free. Now, I do kind of just want to jump in off the bat just because this is a pretty intense case. And I mean, granted, I'm not going to get to like best way to describe this is I'm not going to get too in depth into, uh, some of the attacks that were done because there really isn't much information. There's not a lot of words about, oh, the, every exact person that they, um, had harmed. I, uh, really there's only information on three, but as we're getting into this, as always, I will be starting with a little bit of backstory of our two horrific killers. Um, and kind of where they are now, I even went and got some interesting details about their last meals. Apparently there is a lot more information out there about how to find that than what I originally had thought. Now, Raymond Fernandez was born on December 17th, 1914 in Hawaii to two spanish parents who moved to bridgeport connecticut when he was younger but then he moved to spain to work on his uncle's farm now while working on his uncle's farm he met his wife at the time 20 years old in Carnacion robles and they had four kids together now He served in the Spain's merchant marines and then the British intelligence during World War II. This man was of sane, sound mind at this time, clearly. But once the war was over and he wanted to kind of settle into a normal life, he boarded a ship that was on its way to the United States when a steel hatch fell and crushed his skull now it caused frontal lobe damage and is it's believed that this injury is what changed his personality and his social and sexual behavior i mean before the incident he was a normal person all of this other stuff but after this incident this is where he started to uh go cuckoo now when he was finally released from the hospital um and i c- didn't find a time frame for it couldn't really find it um when he was released from the hospital he ended up stealing clothing and going from hospital stay to 1 year in prison now during his time in prison it is said that a cellmate converted him into a belief of quote voodoo and black magic Fernandez even went as far as saying that he had (laughs) irresistible power and charm over women because of the black magic. Now you can imagine a man of this sanity level, uh, he ended up abandoning his wife and his four children. Nothing much was really said about the wife or the kids afterwards. Um, So I kind of just left it at that and was like, all right, I'm not going to. I'm not going to push the subject there. Now, Martha Beck, on the other hand, this woman, she took this whole situation to a whole nother level. So Martha Beck was actually born Martha Jewel Seabrook in Milton, Florida on May 6th, 1920. Now, due to a a glandular issue, she was overweight and she underwent uh, puberty very early. Now, at her trial for this, she had stated that her brother had raped her and that when she had went to her mother about the issue, that her mother ended up beating her and blaming her for, you know, her brother doing that to her and saying it's all your fault you know you came on to him stuff like that which is insane so Martha ran away and joined a traveling circus and in 1978 writer Truman Capote said he did join her in the short in the circus for a very short period of time when he was about 10 so I mean that story was confirmed by another person but Either way, what happened to her as a child was horrible. When she finally finished up school, um, she was studying to become a nurse. So this was a good thing because, you know, nurses were needed. But also it was kind of a bad thing for her. Due to her weight, she had issues finding work in her career field. She did, however, become an undertaker's assistant and was main mainly focused on prepping the female bodies for burial. But I don't know if she just didn't like it, couldn't handle it, or whatnot. She ended up quitting and moving to California, where she became a nurse at an army hospital. Shortly after she got there, there was rumors of her being very promiscuous and things like that, um, and she ended up becoming pregnant. Now she apparently had asked the father about marrying her trying to like convince her like him to marry her and he refused so there was conflicting stories on either he is alive or he isn't alive um mainly because one article i read said that supposedly this man tried to kill himself after he found out that she was pregnant Um, and the only information i could find on the daughter is that her name at the time of birth was Willa Dean. No last name or anything like that, which is completely fine. But she was born in 1944. Now, keep that, keep that name in mind because there's a reason I even said it. Now, pregnant, single, and fired. So now she has to find another job she moves back to Florida and pretty much tells everybody that this man married her and that he was going to be joining her later. And then when he never shows up, she then tells everyone in the town that her daughter's father was a serviceman who died in action in the Pacific campaign. Now, the town mourned her loss with her. And, you know, a story was published in the local newspaper because, you know, she was grieving. But shortly after she gave birth to her daughter, she became pregnant again by a Pensacola bus driver named Alfred Beck. They were married and divorced within six months. Now, not much was really known about the little boy, not even like really when he was born or anything like that. Um, All I do know is that his name was Anthony. And again, I have no idea if, you know, yeah, there's really nothing. I don't know. You know, I don't know. I don't know. You'll figure out why I, 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 you'll, you'll figure out. I'll tell you why. There's a lot of confusion with this. And normally I do leave kids out of it, but in this case, you'll understand. Um, (laughs) moving on in 1946, she became a nurse at the Pensacola Hospital for Children. And, you know, again, this next part, I heard two conflicting stories. Uh, But in 1947, it was said that either she had placed an ad in the Lonely Hearts section, um, or a friend, or not really a friend, but somebody was basically putting the ad in for her as like a sick joke. There's really no um, there really wasn't like, Oh, yeah, no, she put the ad out or Oh, no, somebody else did it as a joke, but. This is how she met Raymond Fernandez. Now, we're talking eh, here they respond to this lonely Hearts ad, and he's just like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna come uh, come visit you so Raymond ends up going and visiting back in Florida and staying with her for a short period of time now um. Beck's telling everyone that they were going to be married and all this other fun stuff that I'm pretty sure she made all up in her head. She stayed in Milton, Florida to kind of make arrangements for the marriage while he went back to New York City. However, shortly after Fernandez left and went back to New York City, Beck lost her job abruptly. Now, when I say abruptly, I mean abruptly. And she ended up on his doorstep. Now, this is where I say, normally I don't bring the kids' names in, but this is where it's kind of they're already protected. Both children on January 25th, 1948, were abandoned at the Salvation Army in Florida. Now, yes, I was able to find some details on um, Willa. But uh, the only thing I could find is that, yes, she was adopted. But was she adopted with her brother? I do not know. Uh, I could not find any information on uh, Anthony. So I'm assuming, I know Willa's name was changed. And I would assume Anthony's was changed too, just for, you know, his own safety. But she ended up abandoning her children for this man, which... (laughs) He took as a sign of unconditional love. She abandoned her kids and and came to him. Now, he enjoyed this because while she was with him, she catered to every single need and desire that he wanted. And it fascinated him. Well, once this had gone on for a little bit, he had confessed his criminal intentions to her about how he fantasized about murdering women. Um, which, you know, that's kind of horrible, but she liked the idea. She wasn't at all appalled by it. She wasn't at all like, oh my gosh, what do I do? No. She was like, okay. Now, this is where it gets a little, holy crap. The two of them were lovers, but Beck would pose as Fernandez's sister and vice versa, she would po- he would pose as her brother. And basically she would res- they would respond to these lonely heart ads of all these women that were looking for, you know, a partner looking for love. Um, and these poor women are out there looking for love, and they met a horrible fate, be it attacked and robbed sexually assaulted, drugged. Um, it's believed there were a couple murders. Um, but there's only a certain amount of information that I got on that. But Beck would end up telling these victims that she lived alone. They could stay with her. Um, and that her brother, quote unquote brother, uh, was just a guest and that he was only, he would be leaving shortly and all that other fun stuff. Um, But they were Reyes' intended victims. Now, Beck was a very jealous person and always made sure that Fernandez had never consummated any relationship, you know, that she could control. Um, But if he did consummate or have sex with a woman, she made sure that it was a violent attack. And supposedly not just on, you know, the, the woman, but also on, uh, Fernandez himself. Now in 1914 is when, I'm sorry. I said 1914, 1949. My bad. Um, this is when their kind of world started to unravel a bit. I think it's January 3rd, 66 year old Janet Faye was the first victim. Now, She was supposedly engaged to Fernandez and went to stay at his Long Island apartment. When Beck showed up and found them in bed together, she took a hammer to Faye's head in a murderous rage while Fernandez strangled Faye. Faye's family, however, became suspicious and the couple then fled New York. The pair traveled to Byron Center Road in Wyoming Township in Michigan in a it's kind of a sub uh, from what I read it is a like sub of Grand Rapids, not too sure. But they end up meeting and staying with a 28-year-old widow, Delphine Downing, and her two-year-old daughter Renelle. This is actually the saddest part. On February 28th, 1949, Downing, oh, I'm sorry, Delphine became very suspicious of the couple and their, quote, brother-sister act. Now, she started to get agitated and kind of getting into arguments and fights with them to the point that Fernandez gave her some sleeping pills, kind of a decent amount of them. Well, when Rynell saw her mother in this state, she started crying and screaming for her mother, to which Beck, (laughs) piece of work she is, began to strangle the child. Now, she didn't kill the little girl, but she did harm her. Now, Fernandez, in a panic, thought that when Delphine awoke that she would question the bruises that are on her daughter's neck. And instead of giving her that opportunity to wake up, he shot her while she was sleeping. Now, the couple, it was stated that the couple stayed in the home a couple days, which, I mean, I don't know if it was a leap year or not. So I don't know if like what a couple days really actually means. Because supposedly a day later, which my mind would have meant March 1st. But I mean, if it was a leap year, it was February 29th. I don't know. But, uh, it was stated that the couple stayed there while, but Raynell became, again, upset, inconsolable. I mean, her, her mother's not around anymore. She doesn't understand. She's only two. So the little girl started crying and crying and crying. And ultimately, this again irritated Beck and she ended up drowning the crying child in a basin of water. Both bodies were buried in the basement. Now, neighbors who were used to seeing the mother and daughter outside all the time, they became extremely suspicious of the couple and, you know, them in the house, but them not seeing the, you know, Delphine and Raynell. So they end up calling the cops and having the cops come out. And on March 1st, The police showed up and arrested the couple in the home. Now, do I know if they found the bodies of the two down below or if they're still, if they were still considered missing people? I don't 100% know. I couldn't really find anything of like, I'm assuming that they just were like, oh yeah, no, they're killed. Maybe they were found. Um, Like I said, I couldn't really find anything about when the remains of Delphine and her daughter were found. But here is the worst part about it, and then you may be saying, "Oh, there's something worse." Yes, there's something completely worse. Now, Raymond quickly confessed to all to the murders, except he later retracted his confession, saying that he only confessed to protect Beck. Now, the couple denied. 17 other murders that were linked to them. Do I know how they were linked? I don't know. They they were, like I said, there really wasn't a lot of detail just like hey, they were accused of 17 other murders as well. Um, but they were <laughs> because New York had the death penalty and Michigan at the time did not, they were extradited to New York where they were received the death the death penalty. This is where I say this is the kicker. Jeanette Fay's murder was the only murder that they were convicted and tried on. There's no, I mean, yeah, now they were convicted and sentenced to death for one murder of a 66 year old woman, not the 28 year old woman and her daughter, her two year old daughter. And that is what I say is the saddest part about this. I feel like, yeah, there's justice for the family, for the, you know, the two, but. Not really. Now, the couple was sentenced to death by electrocution. And what I was able to find out was that Martha had a a last meals. And I say meals because she had a, a breakfast and then her final meal. Her breakfast included ham, eggs, and coffee. But her last meal was a request of fried chicken, french fries, and a lettuce and tomato salad. Her last statement when they asked her did she have any last words was what does it matter who is to blame my story is a love story but only those tortured with love can understand what I mean. She was then electrocuted in Sing Sing prison on March 8, 1951. She is currently buried in an unnamed grave in her hometown of Milton, Florida. Raymond Fernandez had requested that his last meal be distributed among other inmates which his last meal was an onion omelet, french fries, some chocolate candy, and a Cuban cigar. Now, it's unsure if, you know, his meal was split and that he got this cigar. This isn't saying that that is what his last meal was. This is what he requested as his last meal. He, too, was electrocuted in Sing Sing prison on March 8th, 1951. There have been many movie adaptations. Uh, also, the show I want to say, forget I, I forget what show it was, but there, it's referenced in one of the crime shows. I want to think it was Cold Cases or Case Files. I don't know. It was it was referenced in another case, um, like crime show. But either way, there. They're attributed, their span of their spree killing was a two-year thing. There's a total number of 23 killings that were pinned on them. And out of those 23, they were only tried for one. Do I believe that they should have gotten tried for all of them? Yes. Yes because it's not fair to the families that are like, oh yeah, no, the murderers are dead, but the justice was for someone else and not for, you know, the family, I don't know. I guess peace of mind that there no, they didn't go out and do it to anyone else, that they were caught is a better feeling than, you know, not not knowing where the killers or kill, killer killers, whatever, where they went. Um, because let's face it, there's plenty of cold cases out there that, you know, they don't know where the killer went. Actually, one of the cases, actually two of the cases I'll be doing next month in September is all, um, yeah, their killers were never caught. And I mean, you're talking about two that had a town going through crazy. But one in our nation's capital of D.C. that targeted kind of a couple different areas. And then one that caused two states that bordered each other to uh, have to communicate. And let's just say, reading up the information that I've been reading, it's like, oh, okay, well, this is interesting. But either way, what do you think? Do you think they should have been charged for all the murders or do you think that one was enough? Do you think that the right person, they were charged on the right person or do you think they should have been charged on the two-year-old that they murdered? Leave us a comment on either Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow us on our Discord server at the SuitBookieBarberBabes. And yeah. I can't wait for you guys to see what I have up for the rest of the month. If you do not follow us on Discord, I definitely say do that because I will have a complete episode list out for the rest of the year, uh, probably within the first two weeks of September. So that is it for me, everyone. I hope you all have a fright day, and as always, stay spooky.